Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Australian Grape and Wines podcast series, Studio Canberra. My name's Lee McLean. I'm the General Manager for Government Relations and External Affairs here at Australian Grape and Wine. And with me, as always, is Tony Badalene, our Chief Executive. How are you, Tony? I'm very well, thanks, Lee, and good to be back. Excellent. Now, one thing that I wanted to cover off this week is um, some of the trade and market access work that we do. I know we speak about this frequently and and, and more often than not recently, unfortunately, we've we've been speaking about some of the challenges that we've been facing in China. But I just wanted to reiterate that trade and market access work is, a, is just such a critical part of what we do as a sector. Um, and having worked on both sides of the fence here at Australian Grape and Wine and with the government at DFAT and the Department of Agriculture, I know that, um, Tony, the work that you've led over a number of years and, and Australian Grape and Wine's expertise is, is really valued. So I just wanted to run through a little bit of that from uh, more of the, the sort of multilateral uh, perspective. Um, so, Tony, much is made of free trade agreements, and rightly so. They're a really important aspect of, of our relationship with a number of countries and have helped drive exports over a long period of time. But we also engage in a really broad range of multilateral and plurilateral bodies as well. Um, I was hoping that you could uh, draw upon your experience and provide a bit of an overview of what these bodies are, or a few of the bodies anyway, and why they matter. Yeah, thanks, Lee. And it's a really big issue, and it's uh, I'll try and briefly cover some of the most important ones, but this is certainly an issue that could take some time. So... There is this complex network of bodies that control our whole trading relationship with other countries. So this ability of us as a nation, and we're a pretty small trading nation, but, you know, living in Australia, uh, we we control very little of the international marketplace. So our ability to influence is really quite small on our own. So we need to engage in these plurilateral and multilateral bodies. So I'll give you an example of a couple of them and what they do. So the... Obviously, you've all heard of the World Health Organization, a uh, very big body. It develops health policy around the world. And one of its big areas of interest at the moment is developing alcohol policy. And it's got an objective, a stated objective of reducing the consumption of alcohol. So not just harmful consumption, but the objective within this organization is to reduce consumption. So we obviously work very closely with the government, which the government's the member of this body, to try and, in this case, mitigate some of the more extreme uh, recommendations they make and and we must make no mistake that the recommendations they make do then get reflected back in our policy so it's really important another important international body is the codex elementarius commission and there's a couple of particularly interesting groups in the codex elementarius commission of importance to us firstly there's the committee on food labeling and they're currently looking at a whole lot of labeling recommendations for alcohol uh, it's an area of particular interest uh, a lot of this has been driven by the World Health Organization, again, with the same objective of, of trying to uh, make it more difficult to consume alcohol. And the other is the Committee on Food Additives, where we get, if you get additives approved within Codex, then quite often many of our trading partners will then put them in their own legislation, which makes it much easier to trade with harmonized rules. And I guess the basic premise of most of these groups is to try and harmonize rules and make trade more easy and as well as to protect consumers' rights. It's very important, that protection of consumers' rights. A couple of the wine-specific groups that are really important, the World Wine Trade Group, uh, it's a group of a small number of countries who uh, believe in making trade 
uh, I guess, more easy to um, to happen between countries. It's specifically on wine. So it's got producing countries like Argentina, Chile, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, United States, uh, Canada. So we all work together to uh, try and one, create treaties that make better trade, but also to do um, other, other types of activities, particularly in the area of sustainability and the like. The International Organization of Wine and the Vine is another important body. It's got 46 member countries. Australia is one of them. Uh, we've been heavily involved in its activities for some years, and it's a, basically a reference body for technical standards. So many countries like China who aren't members, they actually use its resolutions and its standards as a reference body when they're making regulation. So it's really important for us to be involved in these things and try and harmonise uh, the rules. And also as a defensive mechanism, some of these bodies have uh, people who are not acting in the interests of the Australian industry. We need there to mitigate any impacts. Really briefly, uh, another APEC, Australia Pacific Economic Cooperation. Yes, it doesn't make sense, those words, but that's the name of the body. Uh, there's a, a body that we established a number of years ago called the Wine Regulatory Forum, and it's been really helpful in changing regulations in some of the, the member countries or member economies of APEC, including China. Uh, I don't know if many of you remember, but we've had some technical issues with China in the past. It was distinct from what's happening now. Uh, and we've managed to get them changed through the technical activities within this group. Um, and probably two other bodies, the OECD, the, it's another important body in that we have seen recommendations from the OECD go forth on alcohol policy, which have been adopted by the member countries. So it's very important we have a role to play there. And of course, my personal favourite, the International Organisation of Legal Metrology. Metrology is not weather. It's actually measuring measurement, and it is the body that talks about you need a volume statement on the front label of your bottle, which is one of the things we changed due to our activities in other forums a couple of years ago, and it will regulate some of those aspects. So it's really important for us that we have not only the rules-based system established by the World Trade Organisation, uh, so that we can trade, but also these bodies allow us to negotiate with, um, I guess, on an equal playing field with many of the bigger players in the world because we're only a small player. So um, it's a very long-winded answer, Lee, but uh, that's sort of the basic where we are at. Yeah, well, it gives a, it certainly gives a, a sense of the the breadth of the the forums that we are engaged in as an industry, and and a breadth of the. The, the impact that those forums can have on our on on our day to day activities, and obviously having that rules based trading system is is super important for us and super important for Australia more broadly. But you know, as I mentioned, I used to work at DFAT. Perhaps you'd expect that I'd say something like that um, after having been involved in this stuff for, for quite some time. So for someone who is maybe sitting on the tractor listening to this or picking grapes during vintage or or whatever they're doing at the minute. Um, I'm interested in your take on on how this sort of this sort of work, which is you know often happening in Geneva or, or somewhere else around the world in a meeting room somewhere, how does that flow onto the farm gate returns of of your average business out there? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And that's obviously what's most important is the direct economic impact of these. And as I said, some of these are positive impacts, but some are negative. So it's really the, the World Trade Organization provides us that legal framework so that we can do basically free trade so you can't support your industry you need equal treatment and it's really important to have this 
um, this rules. The other important part about the World Trade Organization is the fact that it's got a dispute set settlement mechanism. So we recently took Canada to the WTO and they have subsequently changed a lot of their rules that were giving a discriminatory help to their domestic industry and it was detrimental to our exports. So that's, that's money in the pocket straight away for exporters to Canada. Um, the Worldwide Trade Group, we've done a couple of agreements there. One is a labelling agreement. And that now means that essentially for those markets, you only have to change one label to get into any, any market. And that's been the objective for a long time is to make sure that we can minimise cost to producers while protecting the rights of consumers. And it's a, it's a really good balance to take. I mentioned the APEC regulate, Wine Regulations Forum. Um, again, it, we had that direct impact in China where we, uh, there was a substance that was in wine naturally occurring, which they'd put a limit on. We managed through that forum to uh, take away that regulation. And all of a sudden, uh, some product where 80% of our product was at risk of being sent back, uh, we now have access, um, or we did have access until the latest issue with China. So the APEC Regulators Forum is another really important one for us. Um, International Organization of Vine and the Wine, or the OIV. It's that reference body for standards and regulations globally. It was established in Paris in 1924, and it's had a very Eurocentric focus for many, many years. Uh, we have actively worked to churn that around, and there's now 46 member countries, so there's quite a lot of countries that aren't within Europe. And that's certainly been very helpful for us in, in getting that harmonized rules-based system around the world. Uh, it also allows us to influence what happens in European regulation because they rely on the OIV to set their technical standards. So it means that we have the ability to influence those standards, which means that we can get our product in under the same compositional requirements, so the same sets of additives, processing aids, and manufacturing techniques as Europe, which is a, is a big help, and that saves a lot of money. So the more harmonisation, the more mutual acceptance, the, the the less that we will have these technical barriers to trade appearing. And that's straight to the bottom line of, of exporters, winemakers and grape growers. Thanks, Tony. That's that's a really good explanation. It's, it's, it is often challenging to sort of draw those direct those direct benefits from these multilateral bodies. But I think, I think you've demonstrated that pretty well, that, uh, that they're certainly there if you put the work in and take the leadership role that Australia has taken in, in some of these bodies over a long, long period of time. Um, it, Tony, you mentioned the International Organisation of Vine and Wine, the OOV. Um, yeah, many of our listeners out there may not be aware that you're actually a candidate to become the president of the OOV uh, this year with an election happening mid-year. Um, you know, I think you've told us a little bit about the OIV, but, um, you know, you've had a long period of engagement in this organisation, had a number of leadership sort of positions within it. Um, what would your presidency mean for Australian producers out there? And, and perhaps what would it mean for the organisation itself? Yeah, thanks, Lee. And so the, the, the OIV, to be um, president of the OIV, it's, a, it's an unpaid position, of course, for three years, uh, but it allows you to have that strategic leadership you have to be nominated by your government. So uh, David Littleproud, the Agriculture Minister, nominated me on behalf of Australia to be the president. Uh, and I've, I have one, there's not one other candidate for the position. He's an Italian. Uh, so we'll be running it off in uh, June, July this year. Uh, it's a very political process. And it's one that is because it's such a prestigious position, particularly in Europe, 
that there's a lot of competition for. So um, it's going to be a tough battle. What it will mean for Australia, though, if we get the position, it's it's going to be really important for us because we can start to direct some of that strategic direction for the OIV into the future, at least for the next three years, to make us uh, increase that harmonisation in particular of the standards uh, and particularly get broader engagement and maybe bring in some of those countries like the United States and some of those other people that we've had a lot of dealings with to, to get, again, get more broad ownership of the direction. It also deals with issues around sustainability. It's a very big part of its charter, climate change research. So it also coordinates research. So it also gives us the opportunity to start leveraging some of the, I guess, research dollars from Europe into Australia and getting that collaborative work done. Um, it's a very exciting prospect uh, for me. I, I believe that it can really benefit the Australian industry. Uh, and I, you know, so with, that, with any luck, we'll be able to uh, tell you more about how it operates in the, the coming months and years. Yeah, well, congratulations on the, the nomination, Tony. And, um, and we certainly hope to have some good news for everyone uh, mid-year after that vote happens. And, and just from, from my take on that as well, I mean, uh, the, the Director-General of the OIV uh, is a Spaniard. Um, I think it makes perfect sense for this organisation to be looking to prove that it is, it is truly a global, a global organisation that looks after not only the old world, producers but new world producers like like those in Australia as well so all the very best with that Tony um it's time for our last question that we wrap up every episode with Tony um what's in your glass this weekend and I'll tell you what's in my glass this weekend it's going to be a nice sunny day uh and I've been sort of thinking a little bit about not only the diversification of markets of late but also the diversification of products uh and the like and I've I've um come across a, a Jacob's Creek product, which is a, a Prosecco spritz uh, drink, which is a, a, it's a really nice drink actually. And it's, uh, it's great on a sunny day, a bit lower alcohol. So I'll be enjoying one of those uh, over ice at some point this weekend. What about you, Tony? Yeah, well, I've also gone to one of the majors. Um, unlike you, I, I'm going back to what I think Australia does really, really well. We've had our ups and downs with it and that's Chardonnay. You know, Chardonnay, we've got big crops of it. We went through a bad period where it over-oaked, uh, blousy, too full. Then we probably went a little bit too austere. And I think we're actually just getting it right. So I'm, I'm doing a Drumberg Shardy. Uh, looking forward to it, I must say. It's, uh, I think we should all be drinking more Chardonnay because it's one of the signature products from Australia. One we do really well. And, and I'm really looking forward to having that drink at the end of the week. Yeah, one of my favourites. So whatever you're drinking, make sure you, you enjoy it responsibly with your family and friends and, and food and, uh, and, and just enjoy it for what it is, a really beautiful product. So, look, thanks, everyone. Thanks, Tony, for joining us, uh, and we will see you next week. Yeah, thank you, everyone, and I uh, hope you have a great weekend.